Seahawks fans, wherever you may be. Welcome back for another edition of the Seahawks Playbook Podcast. Join your host, Bill Alpstead, and co-host, sports writer and football analyst, Keith Myers, as we talk Seahawks football. Fans, welcome back to another edition of the Seahawks Playbook Podcast. I'm your host, Bill Alpstead, here with Keith Myers, and we're here to talk Seahawks football. Keith, how you doing? I'm doing all right. I'm uh Yeah, it's been it's been a been a super busy week, um, non-football related and kind of a busy week football related. So it's just been um you know, it's just one of those things, and yeah. uh, I'm I'm ready to to talk about it. Let's let's dive in and and talk some Seahawks football. Sweet, yeah. You know, it's uh, I was talking to another person uh, a couple of days ago about. Wait, you talk to amount... other people besides? Well, me? you know, once in a while. Weird. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> it's not on Tuesdays though. I don't talk to anybody on Tuesdays except for you. How, Good to how's know. that? Yeah, I Good. reserved the complete day. Good. I like it. <laughs> so I was talking. I was talking to somebody and. And uh, he says, well, how much time do you, do you put into that? And I started thinking about it and I was like, wow, I put in probably total, you know, at least 20 hours a week, you know, from the, the research, the film, the, um, getting updated on, on any current news, you know, all the time, uh, taking notes typing stuff into, into a word doc, you know, usually, um, recording the show itself, producing the audio portion, producing the audio and video portion separately, uploading all of the, uh, the content and then, um, publishing the content and then promoting the content and then just, you know, being available in Seahawks world, you know, throughout the week. You know, there's there's a lot of investment in uh, in time and resources into that. So, um, but we have a great time. Like, I it's totally worth it. Like, it's a it's a fun thing, you know. And uh, we're we're heading into our we are into our fifth year, and um, no slowing down. So we got a lot to talk about. So let's uh, let's get updated on the news and notes for the week um, for the team. Uh, they made a decision on the Carlos Dunlap deal, which we anticipated and kind of. You know, it could have gone this way or it could have gone in the extension way. They didn't come to an agreement yet on an extension. And so he was released. That freed up $14 million plus in salary cap savings uh, to the Seahawks in a year, which they needed um, all of that money um, to spend, um, you know, replacing Dunlap and going to other players. So right now that gives Seattle approximately $8.6 $8.6 million in salary cap um, available uh, to spend in free agency coming up. So they've got the 14 or a 4 million that was previously on the books and then the Dunlop uh, deal. Um, what do you think about the way that they handled that? Uh, what they had to give to get him in the building, the agreement they kind of made to make him available in to test free agency uh, if they couldn't come to an agreement. And uh, it seems like we've seen this movie before. Well, we, we have, but at the same time, like they give up a seventh round pick, right? They, they did they gave up nothing to bring him in and have him 
be a difference maker last year. And he was. And they and, they, and he played on a on a deal where I think Seattle's out of pocket was three million dollars. Yeah, it was much. Um, and so you know he was able to come over and um, make an impact. They gave up practically nothing to get him, and that's what they're out. Uh, if he if he signs elsewhere, is whatever the nothing was and whatever you know the the seventh round pick. And they are his contribution last year was worth more than that. So. Um, they're, they're in the net positive anyways. I, I would, I'd love to see him stick around, but this isn't the year to pay an aging pass rusher, uh, $14 million. Absolutely. I mean, you look at, at the number of guys that are available as really good players, um, like Yannick and Matt Judon and, and a, a bunch of guys that are out there, um, along with Dunlap and those guys are younger and, uh, they're all going to be available and there's not a lot of cap space around the league. They're just, uh, I keep saying this every week and, and, and um, people are starting to catch on uh, when we talk to people on Twitter and that kind of stuff that there's going to be more players available this year than normal. And there's about half as much spending money across the league as normal. So you got more players, you got less money. Supply and demand just says the prices are going to be right. driven way down for everything. Right. And I think so, that the the first week of free agency is going to look pretty much like every other first week of free agency. Uh, but after that, it's really going to be um, much different it really because is. it's just going to dry up. The money is going to dry up. All the money is going to go to the premier guys. Um, you know, the first two or three, maybe four position group uh, players at, e- at each position, the, the best players. After that, the mid-tier market is going to be drastically affected, and Dunlap is part of that. You know, mm-hmm. Dunlap is not a fourteen million dollar guy anymore. He's more like a seven or eight million dollar guy, and needs to be paid uh, paid as such. And uh, that was always the intent, I believe, uh, with the team and um, and with Dunlap. He's going to go out and test uh, the market. I would imagine, unless somebody offers him some guaranteed money um, that that looks really good to him. He's going to last. It's going to be one of those deals where he's going to be around in two or three, maybe even longer weeks. And, uh, and Seattle will be there. Um, you know, uh, I, I would hope to give him a, a, a one year or two year deal and uh, he can re retest the market next year with, you know, a lot more money. Um, so, uh, you know, don't fret too much about Carlos Dunlap. There's going to be a lot of mid-tier level free agents that could really help the team available this year, as, as Keith said. Um, franchise tag um, time has passed uh, for teams to be able to extend franchise tags to players. Seattle elected not to use theirs this year, uh, kept it in their pocket. So guys like Chris Carson and Shaquille Griffin um, and, and a few others were uh, not tagged. That means they're completely unrestricted free agents. That was uh, mostly expected. Uh, the free agent uh, contract numbers for uh, cornerback and running back exceed the value that Chris and uh, Shaquille Griffin have. What is your feeling about the Seahawks strategy um, in free agency with regard to just those two players, Keith? I don't really have a problem with it. I mean, the CX aren't going to use the franchise tag. That's not their thing. Uh, and honestly, the they haven't used it under Pete Carroll. It's not usually good uh, cap management or team management to use it. Uh, and so I just don't see, I, I, I never expected it to be. 
uh, Chris Carson especially. Like, I get that he's really popular and he's a great piece of the offense when he's healthy, but he isn't healthy much, and he's get, he would be worth he'd be costing way more than he should. And it comes down to like running back is a position that is. You know, it's undervalued or it's low value uh, across the league for a reason. And so you have teams that will pay guys like Mixon and, and uh, Ezekiel Elliott and whatever uh, what they need. But the rest of the league doesn't pay running backs. And so Carson's going to have he's going to go out there. He's going to test the market. He is not going to get, you know, 10 million a year or 8 million a year or whatever. You know, the, the, so where do you think his free agency ranking is in the position group? Do you think he's like the third or fourth guy? Sure, but it's also running back and nobody cares. Uh, right. What I'm what I'm saying is, you know, the, the top guys might get a little bit of money. Uh, the guy from uh, Green Bay comes to mind, Adams. Mm-hmm. And then after that, uh, there's really just not going to be a lot there. That's definitely, you're right. That's not going to be the priority group, position group to sign. So those guys are going to stick around. And the money might even dry up for, for the top guys as well. And Chris Carson is among those. And uh, he's one of the guys I actually see um, at least a 50-50 shot to come back on a one-year deal. Yeah, um, and he should. At a, I mean, at a lower number. That would, be, that, would be, um, that would be ideal for him because he, he fits well with what Seattle does. And so he knows if he comes back into Seattle, one, he'll get playing time. Two, he'll be productive. And it'll allow him to get to next year when there's actually money around and he might get paid. Uh, but he's going to go out there and find that there just isn't a market for running backs this year. And if there is, it's going to Aaron Jones. Um, yes. And the rest of the the rest of the running backs are going to be there's not there's not going to be a lot. So if he plays for a million or a million and a half, that's probably all he's going to get. And for mm, a top, play- I, I think he's going to play get get a little bit more than that, Keith. But I think it's going to take a while. It's yeah, going to take maybe, you know, a few weeks and we'll see. I, I just, I, I have a hard time seeing or r- running backs getting paid this year. I do just, too. There's, there's not enough money. And if you're going to spend money on something, it's going to be a pass rusher. And there's a boatload of really good pass rushers available. So that's where the money's going to go. And running backs is going to be sitting there. And eventually if they want to play, they'll play for less. On the other hand, Shaquille Griffin is going to have, um, I think, a similar challenge. I, you know, he's he seems to be, you know, you look at all the free agents rankings out there, and you just have the eye test. He's kind of the, uh, you know, in the top five available free agents at the position this year, and I just don't see it. Like he's he's got some injury stuff. He's very been very inconsistent. Um, he plays well definitely at times, and then gets lost at other times. Um, and I'm assuming that he wants, um, you know, he wants the ATM, uh, backed up for him this year, you know, over a $10 million, uh, per year kind of a contract. Yeah, he's and to me, like he's 14. more of a, yeah. And to me, he's more of a $7 million kind of a guy to yeah. me. I mean, in any year, not just a COVID-19 yeah. salary cap restriction year. And so what do you think is going to happen there? I think he's not a number one. Um, the CX tried him as a number one the last couple of years. He played, so ever since when Sherman left, he had an off year, then he had a great year, and then he had another off year. Um, now the last year, part of it was injuries, and there were times when he looked like he um, was was back, and then other times where he just kept, you know, getting lost. I think he's too inconsistent. He's uh, a guy that should be a number two, and you want someone better than him on the other side. And if that's the case, you don't pay that uh, that guy. 
Um, I think he's a really good number two, but I think he's a number two. And the, the, the number two corners get, like you said, seven or eight million in a normal year. And this year it's going to be five or six. He wants to be paid like a number one because he's been the Seahawks top corner for the last three seasons, but he's not going to get that 14 to $16 million range that you get typically give a number one corner. Right. And I think also when you look at his game, he strikes me as the, as the kind of player that is somewhat scheme dependent. Um, and his quality of play is, uh, is also dependent on um, either too high safety or single high safety with extreme ball skills and uh, sideline to sideline coverage speed, because he needs some protection back there. He needs to have some trust in those guys to be able to, um, to play uh, a little tighter um, with a lot of confidence. And if he doesn't have that, he's just not a, a good scheme fit for, for a lot of teams, um, especially press coverage teams and single, single coverage guys. Um, he's okay in the zone, but again, it's, you know, I think he's a vulnerability waiting to happen over there. Yeah, I don't think it's that bad. I think he's better than you're giving him than giving him credit for. I just, I think that what happens is he gets, he ball watches a little bit. He gets where he's peeking into the backfield. He's, um, he'll start to lag off coverage because he thinks the ball is going to go underneath and then yes, exactly. And then it doesn't, but it's not for him. It, it's real. There's a, there's, there's kind of a discipline problem. And, and I think they can, I think any team could get to him and, and really fix him and get him back to where he was a couple of seasons ago when he was a pro bowler. Um, I think there's, there's a lot of quality in his game. I just, there's so much inconsistency the last um, over the last year or so that I think I don't trust him to be that number one guy and there's significantly better number one guys out there. And so I don't want to pay him that I want him if I'm going to have him on my team, I'd love to have him, but I, I'm, I'm going to have him as there as my number two corner and I'm going to have someone else be the number one guy that I, that's the person I'm going to pay. League news, Keith, it also affects our franchise quarterback guy uh, indirectly. Uh, Dak Prescott deal. Four years, $160 million with $126 million guaranteed. Mm -hmm. Um, That's that's crazy money. That guaranteed money is literally twice as much as Russell Wilson's deal that was was just two years old at this point. Well, part of it, though, is is what are the the guaranteed terms? Is it guaranteed no matter what? Is it guaranteed for injury? Is it, you know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. so there's stipulations with the word guarantee in these contracts if it's guaranteed for injury that means nonetheless his his new money payout averages 42 million dollars in the first three years yeah or you know each year mm -hmm. and that's what's crazy is that's a lot of money going to Dak Prescott um it's a lot for a for maybe a top 10 quarterback but not a top five quarterback yeah and I, I heard I think it was Gottlieb or someone today that was like, yeah, he's okay. He's probably a top 15 or whatever. I'm like, you're selling him short. No, and no, no. He's a very good quarterback. And, and don't people, get me wrong. I don't know that he can lead it. You know, I don't know that he's a, he's he's leading anybody to the promised land right now. I mean, that hasn't happened yet, but they haven't surrounded him with a complete team quite yet. He's had a really that, – that Dallas is always the most overrated roster. I agree. In the NFL. Every year they are. And yeah. so he's just – he hasn't had a lot of talent around him. Uh, the offensive line was great his, you know, his rookie year. And I think the second year was, it was better. Uh, and then it's really gone downhill. Uh, they don't have, they, yeah, don't have they, they lost Jason Witten and that really hurt them as far as ha- having him have a dependable outlet 
and mm-hmm. uh, Ezekiel Elliott um, being injured a, a little bit has has uh, caused some trouble, and then he had his own injury. So it's just been a kind of a tough time. But I tell you what, the Dallas folks, the the, the Dallas fans are just absolutely completely annoyed with this thing. I mean, like seven out of 10 fans are against this and and three are really enthusiastic. Um, And I can understand why it's just a ton of money to pay Dak Prescott. Um, You know, and it, 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 but here's how it kind of ties into the Wilson thing. So Wilson's agent came out last week and said, you know, Russell doesn't want to be traded. The team doesn't want to trade Russell. However, if they so choose to do so, here are the four, four teams that Russ will agree to be traded to. And Dallas was one of those, obviously now off the table. So they made a legit uh, decision to say, we understand Russ could uh, be available to us. We don't want to put the uh, the capital uh, together, including uh, like a sign and trade agreement or a franchise tag and trade with Prescott to Seattle for Russell Wilson. They made a decision to stick with their guy that they know. Um, so you gotta, you gotta hand it to them. I think that's commendable, but at the same time, crazy money that, you know, it, it, it has the ability to kind of hamstring you a little bit, you know, but there are seven to 10 teams in every given year that are pretty hamstrung with 13 to 15% of their cap going to one, one guy. Seattle's one of them. Yeah. I mean, and, and you see like, uh, Aaron Rodgers was one of them, and he made a deep playoff run, and and um, all of that. I mean, you have guys that do it. The, this whole thing that you can't have a, you can't pay a top quarterback and still win is nonsense. I mean, well, and Dak uh, can clearly play, and he can clearly play at a level that can get a team to a Super Bowl, uh, as long as that team has got enough talent around him to get there. Um, you know, a Dak Prescott, for example, on the 49ers instead of. Garoppolo, that would be team. a no-brainer, right? That's a better team. Absolutely, right. So, I mean, you got you, you're going to pay those guys. Um, all right. So, Russell Wilson, Keith, um, what's your feeling? Last week, we were kind of still on the on the page of this is kind of a public pressure campaign to affect change um, on the offense to put Seattle and Russell Wilson in the best position to not only win, uh, go further in the playoffs, get to the Super Bowl and maybe win one and um, really kind of etch in the legacy of Russell Wilson. And now, a week later, with really no nothing toned down, no language toned down, no statement from the team or, or Russell Wilson, so everyone's just kind of playing on the same information we had last week, but this thing just seems to not want to end as far as the rumors or the speculation around an actual trade happening. And uh, so what are your current thoughts? Well, I mean, I, I do think that it's that when you have a guy like Mike Silver, who's plugged in and, and is not prone to, you know, clickbait and that kind of stuff, he'll say things that are going to be really unpopular, but only if they're backed by his sources say that this is, stronger and in you know more significant than i think some people want to admit um yes. to me i i take that very seriously uh and i also noticed and i so did everybody else that the league sent out a thing to season ticket holders and it lists you know players and things to be excited about and it's always you know got you know different pictures on it and it didn't include russell wilson this year and that's the first time since uh 2013 that's been true and, and that's very significant um 
And so that might just be, you know, the sign from the team, you know, to him just being like, you know, if you're going to be petty and, and whatever, then, you know, we can play that game too. Yeah. We um, can make you disappear. <laughs> yeah. But the, um, but the longer it goes, right. The longer that this happens, the longer that this drags out, the worse it gets. Um, because the team and, and him need to sit down and make this work. And the longer it drags out, it's just people, you know, once you get into that mindset and you're, you have this thought and it just is able to stay with you and that nothing, no, they don't go in and, 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 and fix it. It just starts to cement in a little bit more. And I think we could get in a situation where if this continues to drag out uh, and, and they don't get together and fix it, you know, that draft is going to come around and, and, you know, maybe eating some salary cap and, and trading him might look, you know, like a really good idea for the Seahawks because they're like, we just don't want to deal with this anymore. Now, obviously, the, um, you know, Russell's camp and Mark Rogers, uh, his agent came out and um, really restricted the Seahawks options by just naming four teams. Obviously, Russell Wilson has a no trade clause in his contract. Um, so, yes, he can have the final say uh, with any team that Seattle chooses to make a deal with. Um, but if they kind of have an agreement ahead of time, then, you know, so now one of those teams is off the, the table. Uh, yeah, it, it seems to me, I know it doesn't, but what, what I'm going to say is, is if, uh, is if he really wants to be traded and Seattle really would like to trade him, um, you would think that it would be beneficial for, for all parties to increase the, uh, available teams that Russell would consider going to. Oh, and there, and the, on the quite number, honestly, there's the of 10 teams. or 15 teams, well-run teams in the NFL that would be suitable for Russell Wilson to, to play for as, as suitable as Dallas, Las Vegas, Chicago, et cetera. Well, the thing is, there is a long list of teams that he would be willing to be traded to. Uh, he listed, I would think so. There are, there are four that he, you know, kind of threw out there because that was a, uh, then we're trying to make the statement. He doesn't want to be traded. It's not him, but also, you know, t- tossing some more information out and just being like, Hey, let's keep the story going. Yes. Um, and that's right. all that, that's all that was. But, yes. uh, the, the list is longer than those four. The Seahawks aren't, re- aren't restricted to those four. No. If the, if the dolphins really want him, uh, what that and means. That, and that's what makes sense. It, more sense for yeah. the Seahawks anyway. I mean, and, and for us, it's a, it's a nice little market and a nice upcoming team. If the dolphins really want him, he's not on, he's not on the approved list. So what does that mean? That means that while they're negotiating this, they have to reach out to him and say, Russ, we want you. Here's some additional guaranteed money. Here's an extension. Here's right. They have to sweeten the pot to him to get him to agree to it. Uh, but if they want him, he'll go there. Right. right. And, and if, if uh, and the pot would be sweetened for Seattle because there's more competition. Yeah. And so, I mean, and, and that's really what it comes down to is, is the jets and the dolphins were, uh, those names were originally listed as potentials. And then, uh, you know, Rogers came out and, and basically made sure that they weren't on the list because those are bad teams, but they are also the teams with the capital. The dolphins the are Dolphin. actually in pretty good position to take a jump this year i think yep and and so but both of those teams have a lot of cap space they can work with you know i mean this they're 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 legit options but they didn't want it out there that oh this is who the seahawks should be um how did we get to this point keith how did we get to this point how did we get to this to allow this to, to to fester to the point where 
this is what we're talking about today. That's Seattle organization that has the perception has been that the front office is run really well. They take care of their players. It's a place where free agents like to come and stay. Um, and, uh, here we are, we've got our best possible player, the, the, the best possible player in franchise history that is possibly wanting to leave. And, and Seattle is trying to, is legit picking up the phone and also returning phone calls. Well, it I just mean, seems just crazy to me. We get there because, um, I think Pete Carroll took him for granted. I, I think that's really what happened that, you know, Russ, he is the star. He is the future Hall of Famer. He is that guy. And he goes, you know what? I want to be a part of this. And when he went into uh, that meeting, that planning meeting, the game planning meeting, and said, I've got some ideas on what I want, what, what we can do to make this, like, turn this around based on what I'm seeing on the field. And he got blown off. Carol scoffed at him. Yeah. Made him um, made him leave the room. I mean, he, word he, is he, you know, he yeah, stormed. He stormed out, out. and and that that's a problem, right? I mean, uh, you have uh, why 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 would you treat your franchise's your player like that? Yeah, you know what? Listen to him. If you don't agree with them, be like, okay, you know, have okay, an honest have an honest conversation. Have it, you know, and say this is what we're seeing that's different and. Um, but we get it. We hear what you're saying. Well, you know, take it under consideration. We'll add a couple of plays, whatever. We have but a plan. We have to listen to him, start. <laughs> but to blow him off and to be like, no, you don't know what you're talking about. Like you, you just pissed off someone for no reason, like treat people well. And Pete Carroll's typically really good about that, but he mishandled the situation. There's, he, he there's no completely clear indication that that's, Absolutely true. I mean, Russell Wilson could definitely have a hand in being a guy with a large ego that normally is is public facing Mr. Unlimited, Mr. Nice Guy, Mr. Everything uh, He Says Is Right and uh, Stands By the Team and, and all of that stuff. But clearly, you know, behind the scenes, he's feels like he's free to speak his mind and uh, tries to be clear. And, you know, if he doesn't get his way, maybe he does act out or is beginning to feel comfortable acting out a little bit more, speaking up a little bit more. And this is just the natural progression of, of where he's at mentally with, with, with his, his career. Now to me, from an outside perspective, his career is awesome. You know, he's on a hall of fame trajectory. He's, Threw 40 touchdowns last season, led the NFL. Um, statistically, for about eight games, he was the best quarterback in the league in an offense that was allowing him to do uh, everything that he wanted to do. And um, and since that point, since things started again, it go sideways a little bit, some interceptions, that everything has gone bad since then. And I just, it's hard for me to understand how a team that is still on an upward trajectory overall 12 wins. We're not that far away. we got a couple pieces um, to allow this to kind of get to this point is, is unfathomable, unfathomable to me. Um, You know, and and if it's beyond Carol's ability to contain the situation, you know, where's, where's everyone else? 
You know, yeah. I know Jody Carl, uh, Jody um, Allen. You know, P, uh, Paul. You know, nothing against Jody, but she's she's a hands off kind of owner. She wants to make sure the team is in in the right kind of hands with with people that know exactly what they're trying to do. So she kind of backs off a little bit. Would Paul have kind of stepped in and said, "Hey, listen, this is our franchise guy. We need to figure this out." Is there a void there? I think there might be. Um, and the reason why there's a, the void there is because um, I don't think it's Jody. And I, I think given the opportunity, she would step in and do those things. Or Bert Colt or, or Cold or whatever. I mean, you know. But I, I think she came in in the middle and has deferred to Pete because Pete's, you know, kind of the footballs are. And right. because she came in in the middle after Pete was established, I think she doesn't want to interject given an opportunity uh, with a new coach, new, you know, all that, she might be more involved. Uh, but it's a weird dynamic to her coming in and in, you know, in the middle after, um, after Paul Allen passed away. So, I mean, really what it comes down to is, is I do think that the team has mishandled this from the beginning. And I, from the beginning, I don't mean this off season when Wilson started talking, it was, from the moment Wilson went into that meeting and was saying, Hey, I've got some ideas. And I think it was completely mishandled. And when he got pissed and stormed out and there wasn't, there wasn't an effort made to, to go in and fix things at that moment and, and hear his frustrations and, and, and make it work. Um, do you, do you think that that cap was also put on Brian Schottenheimer at the exact same time? Do you think that Brian Schottenheimer shared those ideas with Russell Wilson midseason? Went to Pete to try to make some adjustments. Pete said, "No, we're going to do it this way," and both of them uh, saw the writing on the wall. Russ stormed out. Eventually, Brian Schottenheimer was fired. I, Is that the philosophical difference that we're talking about? No, because uh, Pete or um, Brian Schottenheimer was in on and that planning meeting. He was one of the people who blew Wilson off. It wasn't just Pete Carroll. So, uh, I no, I think that you're... Reading it wrong. Yeah, I think that um, part of Russell's problem is that, you know... Nobody's uh, listening. Nobody was listening to him. If, if, um, if Schottenheimer was listening to him and trying to do diff- the things that, um, you know, calling the plays that Russ wanted and all of that, Russ wouldn't have remained pissed throughout the rest of the season. Um, instead, he just got progressively more annoyed at what was going on. And, and we his also, play progressively deteriorated. Yeah. Well, I mean, and the thing is, like, in, in some sense, Wilson was right. Like, you cannot keep doing what the team was doing and expect results. It, the teams were other teams adapted. They knew what was going to happen. It was pretty obvious what Seattle wanted to do. They, and they just didn't adapt in any way. And you could just see Russ getting more and more frustrated. They kept running out the same game plan every week, and it didn't work every week. All right. We will report back. You know, Silver seems to think something's going to happen this next week. I do, too. Free agency is right around the corner. Starts, uh, I think, unofficial tampering is 15th. Free agency starts on the 17th, something like that. Uh, something's got to give here. Um, the, the sooner, the better for the Seahawks to move forward either with Russ or without, unfortunately. Um, and, um, and we'll just see what happens. Um, it's, you know, one way or another, it's gotta, it's gotta get resolved. 
Um, let's talk about prospects. So this week, um, we're going to be talking about uh, the, the NFL draft prospects uh, coming up uh, in the tight end and wide receiver groups. And so uh, Keith and I have both studied these things and uh, drew up a list of players uh, independently to kind of bring into the conversation as uh, players, you know, up and down the draft from, you know, the second round uh, through the seventh that would be available that are kind of good Seahawk fits um, as we as we typically like to do. So um, I think we just get started with the tight ends, Keith. And, uh, you know, the guys at the top, you know, are, are unlikely unless there's a trade to be available to the Seahawks, you know, Kyle Pitts, Pat uh, Faramuth, uh, those guys, maybe Brevin Jordan might be right on the, the edge of that. But uh, guys after that uh, look like they would they would be around. So what are your thoughts? Yeah, uh, the team is, has looked at tight ends in the free agent market. I mean, they've been tied yeah, to they have. Just the bigger names. And so... I think that if the team's going to go tight end, it's going to be that route. Um, if they end up in the draft looking for one, it's going to be later. They just don't have the draft capital and they have much bigger needs. Um, so why do you think that they would prioritize tight end in free agency? Um, seems like they've tried that a few times. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. They've got a good draft, a couple good draft picks on the roster currently. And, um, you know, a guy doesn't have a lot of, uh, playing experience yet, but uh, a lot of upside and then, um, you know, but they have been tied to, um, the guy from the Eagles, uh, Eric Ernst, and then, uh, Kyle Rudolph just got released uh, from Minnesota. I haven't heard any word yet if Seattle's going to have him in or anything, but uh, it seemed would, it would be logical for at least them to look at that, um, Solving that, though, you know, in a, in a cap-restricted type of season where there's not a tremendous amount of money to spend, if you're going to get one of those top guys, it's likely that's going to be, um, you know, on a two-year deal with a, a somewhat lower cap hit in the first year, but you're still looking at, you know, a two-year, $14, 15000000 million deal for some of those premier guys, I would think. Yeah, and, and so I, I think what they're looking for is they're looking at, you know, I mean, when they are showing interest and all of that, what it comes down to is they're, they're trying to gauge what the market's going to be to get a guy that they can add to the list. But at the same time, what are they trying to do? They're trying to get another weapon that they can use for Wilson. But at the same time, they're, they're trying to gauge what the market is like, okay, if we can go get Zach Ertz and stick him on the line and have that level of playmaker at tight end, well, then maybe that makes a um, Tyler Lockett trade a little more palatable. And so they can get a, they can, you know, get one weapon, lose and trade another and trade that one for, for draft capital that they can use to fill other holes. And so I think that's kind of what they're looking at. It's not a, oh, they desperately need a tight end. It's, it would be nice to get one. They think it'll be cheaper well, I, to get I one there it... than, than at wide receiver. Um, but I don't think well, it's I mean, like look a at must. look at the the Rams offense. I mean, you got a guy that's, that's catching 45, 50 balls there in, in Everett. Uh, he's more of a receiving uh, tight end type. Um, they're they're not yet looking at inline blocking guys. These are guys out there catching a lot of balls and, and uh, moving sticks uh, for their respective teams. So they they do have their eye on that sort of a guy. Um, 
you know, Hollister seemed like he would be maybe that in 2019, but in 2020, it kind of took a step back, didn't get a lot of opportunity, it seemed, as far as targets. Um, you know, you could bring back Hollister on it on a cheap deal and kind of feel that role, um, you know, if you didn't want to lose a guy like Lockett or something. Mm-hmm. And, that, and that really kind of what it, what it um, comes down to. It's like I said, they're, they're looking at, can they upgrade that position? give Wilson another legit uh, veteran weapon and do so cheaper than Lockett. So they get, they would get, they would replace him cheaper and get a draft pick out of it. Like a second. I think that's a step down, you know, Lockett gave you a hundred catchers last year for over a thousand yards. And it would be hard for any tight end in our system to do that. Totally. And I'm not, I'm not, and I'm not trying, I'm not trying to say like, Oh, you would just, it would just parallel, but you'd get some cap room, which they need and a draft pick. And so it's like, what's the total production that you, you get out of? You have to feel really good about um, the kid, uh, the new guy, uh, the third, fourth wide receiver that yeah. we had last year. Um, Swain. And, yeah, Freddie Swain in order to be able to kind of move on or or pick up a guy in the draft you really like and, and are targeting. Yeah. Um, let's talk about tight ends, though, in the draft, Keith. Uh, they're, they're, uh, to me, the, the tight end class is average. Um, and, but that's okay. There's still some guys that are going to be available rounds three through seven. I think, uh, that are probably on the Seahawks radar, at least to look at, um, what are some of the good fits out there? You know, I, I know some people have said, Ooh, this is, you know, or this is an interesting tight end class. I kind of don't like this tight end class. Yeah. To be it's, honest. It's average. Yeah. yeah. Um, there's a couple of intriguing names and a couple of guys that can do some intriguing things to me, but other than that, it's okay. Yeah, I mean, and, and so it, it's like looking at at uh, at kind of you know we're looking at the guy like Trey McKitty out of Georgia, six four two forty seven. He is um, he's a move tight end, right? He's a pass catching tight end when you're going to move all all over the field. Um, he's not going to be a lineup, um, you know, right next to the right tackle and block all the time. Uh, but he is you know, not a bad blocker, um, just kind of a little undersized and, and that kind of stuff. But he has, you know, the ability to kind of be dynamic and, and, and get up and, 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 uh, and do a lot stuff. of things. Well, you know, yeah. he can be online for you. He can move outside. He can, you know, he's going to move, uh, he's going to get first downs for you. Yeah. Um, he kind of reminds me a little bit of like Nick Vanette. Uh, yeah. He's or, a little undersized or Luke Wilson, uh, yes. where they, they, they're athletic guys that can, do a lot of things well, but they're not great at anything. Uh, you could line them up at fullback at H back, you could put them at tight end, you could put them in the slot and he'll do all those things fine. Um, and you know, I'm thinking you're going to be able to get him in the fourth round, fifth round, somewhere in there and, yeah. and have a guy that you know, you can depend on, but he's not going to light things up. He, this isn't a game changer, um, but it's a good scheme fit for what Seattle does and what they need. Yeah, I like Trey McKitty, um, and he was in the Senior Bowl, and uh, I thought he was uh, one of the most impressive guys there as far as just um, moving smoothly, and uh, from the reports out of there, uh, seemed like he was a um, a willing blocker, uh, a good teammate, a guy that was uh, showing up to work uh, with the lunch pail type of a thing, not uh, afraid to get in and, and block, willing blocker, which is really important uh, for Pete, even though... Uh, he uh, is at 247 pounds, so 
He is going to play a little bit in the H back role in this in the slot. Um, maybe a guy like that could could be a lead blocker for you occasionally on um, as a fullback possibly. The guy that I looked at at, the, at closer to the top of where Seattle would be picking or, or slightly lower in the third round would be kind of a, a Hunter Long mm-hmm. kind of a guy, kind of more of a receiving guy. The reason I, I listed him was just because Seattle is looking at some of those free agent guys. If they don't solve that um, in free agency because those guys are either too expensive or choose to, to go elsewhere, um, a guy like Hunter Long might be somebody that they're keeping their eye on. A nice, tall, big guy, 6'5". 254 um productive in college at boston college um he's a good route runner um he, he he's a ba- uh, available to uh to catch the ball and evade tackles and move in space with the yards after catch i think in the shane waldron kind of a thing um they really want to to get somebody to be able to do that and right now on the roster we've got parkinson but he's awfully big to be able to move in space and give you yards after catch in the middle. He's more of a red target, red zone kind of a guy for me. But again, we haven't seen him uh, in the offense, last year's offense, or in Waldron's scheme. And so it remains to be seen exactly how they'll want to use him. But obviously they're looking for somebody a little bit more dynamic. Um, So uh, I would think that they would be looking for a guy that's more of a receiving tight end um, in, in this draft. And maybe... You know, they've got a guy on the practice squad um, that they have more of an inline guy, obviously. Um, whatchamacallit? I'm sorry, I'm just horrible on names today. Um, our other tight end uh, from the University of Washington. Um, he's he's has the ability to block, so um, they may covet those guys that can actually move the chains mm-hmm. this year. Um, what else you got, Well, Keith? I mean, the only other guy that, because I, I tried to stay away from the guys at the top, and I was tempted to, you know, talk about, you know, Tommy Tremble uh, for out of Notre Dame, mm-hmm. uh, but I just think that's too early. He's going to be um, that the Seahawks would have to use their like first pick for. Well, I don't know. I think he's a. Yeah. I, I mean, maybe not. In, maybe okay. not. In, I think he's a. Maybe not in the, fi- the, the, the in the fifties, but if they traded back into like the the sixties or seventies, I mean, that's I, I think where he's going to go. And he's the best blocker in college is. football. He's undersized too. He's only yep. two forty eight, but he's like wants to inflict pain and, and suffering. And so the thing people. is, and that's kind of why I, I I thought about him is because he's he's a great inline blocker. He would be like he and Will Disley would fight for who gets to uh, kill more people um, in, in the running game because both of them are <laughs> both funny. of them are outstanding um, outstanding blockers for the run game and that kind of stuff. But I just think that's too early for for tight end for the Seahawks I, I, and especially with guys like you know Trey McKitty, Hunter Long, Kenny uh Yebo mm-hmm. um out of Old Miss um who's 6'4" 247 um he's also more of a a guy that can block but he's can do more of do both things again he's he's more versatile yes. um but i think that I, I, I think that would be a good fit for Shane Waldron's offense but you know, it comes down to like, what do they want? And, and I, I could see them, I could see them going, uh, it, that route with a more versatile guy, a more, you know, Nick Finette, um, Luke Wilson kind of guy, or, you know, just, just throwing that all out and, and going with a guy like, um, Miller Forrestal out of Alabama, right? Six, five, two thirty four, So way undersized, um, in terms of mm-hmm. weight, but, um, 
you know, but still tall, moves well. Uh, he's basically just a big wide receiver. Or, you know what I mean? He he doesn't move quite well enough to be to be a wide receiver, but but he's a right. wide receiver. So you'd kind of take it in the opposite direction. Who's the kid that we had last year, Sullivan, that we drafted kind of in that mold, ended up switching him over to defensive end, then he moved on off the practice squad and, and is now signed with another team, um, but kind of in that sort of a situation. Yeah. Um, kind of the same idea. And so... Um, it's crazy, Keith, because I think we've been talking about the tight ends for about 10 minutes now, and we're literally yeah. done because it's really not it's that not. deep. Uh, this could be the definitely the year that they probably bring in two or three bodies and unrestricted, undrafted free agents to compete, um, especially if it's the blocking tight end position that they're trying to address. You know, a lot of those guys, the pass catching guys, the more athletic guys, guys with any speed at all at the position they tend to get swooped up pretty pretty fast. But a lot of those uh, blocking guys are, are available later on, especially that can contribute to special teams, maybe come in and block for you for a couple plays a game at fullback if, if you need a short yardage. Uh, yeah, deal. I mean, if you're, so, looking for, if, you're, if you're looking for a guy that can that can that you can get as an undrafted, um, as an undrafted free agent, um, maybe Hunter Camp Moyer out of Oregon would be a good one. But he's 270 pounds. This isn't a guy that moves well. Uh, but you can line him up at right tackle, um, and he can he, and he can block for you. Like he obviously is undersized to be a right tackle, but he blocks like a right tackle. Um, uh, and so you you know if you're looking for just a guy that's going to come in and 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 block and really maul people in the running game and make life hard for for opposing teams, I mean you get a guy like that after the draft is over. Yeah, yeah. No, I I agree. Yeah, there's a lot of guys out there like that. Exactly. All right, so um, the wide receiver class is actually one of the best classes, um, position group classes in the draft. It's just, it's loaded up uh, with guys probably uh, rounds one through five that can come in and immediately uh, help you uh, at least to the to the third wide receiver level um, at, in this class. There's a lot of undersized guys as well that are really dynamic slot guys, guys that can help you in the return uh, game. Um and then just big bodied guys, obviously, uh, that can move the chains and, uh, and take the ball down the field for you. So all sorts of guys all the way through the draft. Um, obviously the guys at the top, uh, will not be available unless there's some massive trade, uh, for Seattle. And we're doing okay right now at the top uh, on our own roster. So we're really looking for guys that can fill in and, uh, probably one of the players that, that Shane Waldron might have a hand in selecting if, if Seattle decides to go wide receiver, a guy that would fit um, exactly what they want to do um, in that position. A guy that can block. Uh, Shane Rollerin's uh, wide receivers are not afraid to be physical, and they possess the ball really well. You don't have to necessarily have top end speed, but we saw that with in um, in Goff's offense, where Goff couldn't really get the ball down the field past twenty yards very well, very effectively. But uh, with Seattle. <laughs> Obviously, if Wilson's still there. Uh, we do have the ability to stretch the field and take some shots. Well, and with so, Lockett, and, um, they may want somebody with a little bit more speed too. Say, with, with Lockett and and Metcalf there, uh, you know, getting a guy with speed isn't necessarily the requirement unless they move on from Lockett. And 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 yes, well, and Lockett's only got yeah, one and year. So, left. You know, trading him now rather than it, letting him walk in a year uh, in order to get the draft capital that they need. And so, okay, then you, you kind of have to look at, at what you can get mm -hmm. in, in that kind of role. But I was looking more at, at the Rams offense and I go, you know, the Seahawks are better 
than um, Woods on the outside. Um, right, and Metcalf, I would take Metcalf over Robert Woods like every day of the week. Yes. Um, he's, he's just... Th- right. And I'm very excited to see what Metcalf can do yeah. in this offense. He's going to get a lot more opportunities, so he, I believe, so in short yard, shorter yardage. He's pickups. already, like, that's already a major upgrade. Mm-hmm. But what they don't have is Cooper Cup, right? They don't, I mean, David Absolutely. Moore is probably the closest thing they've had, and he's an unrestricted free agent. Um, but they, they, and Freddie Swain is a little undersized. undersized. So that big slot, that guy that's a possession receiver, and Quan Bolden, yeah. kind of a guy. Um, with a little bit more, maybe yep. more speed, maybe. Just a guy that's a total possession Total possession guy. guy, big target, middle of the field, not afraid to get hit. Yeah. Uh, but also isn't yeah. just, you know, like a tight end, right? A little more dynamic than that. Um, and I think that, uh, you know, Moore could have been that guy. He's He does better on the outside because he's just not that quick, you know, on the inside, um, even as, as, as the big slot. But I was kind of looking for that guy. Like that was kind of, that was what I was Mm -hmm. hoping for um, when I was going through and fighting. Not that there's not a lot of other people to to look at. And this is like you said, a loaded class. Mm -hmm. Um, But what size guy are you looking, looking for in this role, a bigger guy or a guy that's, uh, you know, six foot one ninety five or, or a slight. Cause if you have, if you're looking for that, you got Freddie Swain, he's already on the roster. And that, that's who he is. He's not an outside guy. He's a slot guy who's, you know, six foot, six, uh, six foot and a half or something. Um, and, and, and you got that. I was looking for a guy who's going to be like six, three. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I've got, I've got two guys, but one is undersized height wise, but it's, is solid. But uh, yeah, go ahead. What, who's your guy that you like first in that? Um, so there's a quite a few. <laughs> like a Seth Williams. Do you like Seth um, Williams? That wasn't who I had. Six, six, two, two twenty four. Um, from Auburn, he's a great slot kind of uh, slant route guy. That's a you know. I was anyway, looking more that that guy I would be good in that too. I was looking more like Simi uh, Fahelko out of Stanford, who's six four two twenty seven. So he's big, he's tall, he can he can get. He's basically David Moore, right? He's not the fastest guy down the field, um, but he's big, huge catch radius, uses his body well. Uh, I just think that you know you move him inside and let him play that that big slot yeah. where he's being matched up against safeties and, and slot um, corners who are not going to be able to, to match him size wise. And he could be really productive in there um, and come at a, a significant discount to a David Moore. Yeah, no, no doubt. Cause that guy would probably be available in, uh, I don't know what he, yeah. Yeah. Probably down in, into that range or maybe even, uh, Maybe even the the the, the sixth top yeah. of the sixth I was thinking, type of guy. There's so many wide receivers. I mean, he's probably you know the the twenty fourth or twenty fifth ranked wide receiver. But you know, looking at this class, you've got twenty at least twenty guys go in the first three yeah. rounds. And so you know, and, you look and, at at um, this is a really deep class. You're going to be able to get these guys later. But also remember, David Moore was a seventh round pick, right? He was a guy that was mm-hmm. big. Thought, people thought maybe he wasn't uh, he wasn't really fast he wasn't really quick um, but he was big a big catch radius and the Seahawks were like yeah I threw a seventh round pick at him um, to see something and they've got some pretty good production uh, from him over the last three years so you know if it, it, he's an unrestricted free agent if they don't bring him back you know how do you um, how do you re- right. how do you replace so that? what is your idea 
What are your, is your idea? So last week we talked about Seattle uh, bypassing the 2017 draft. Um, I think it was the 17, maybe it was the 18, where um, it was completely loaded draft class in the, at the wide receiver group. Seattle bypassed the entire thing when we were absolutely sure that they would select somebody. And this year is not quite to that level, but it's pretty darn close as far as its depth quality depth across the, across the board and, and, and across uh, all the rounds. And, um, you know, if, if Tyler Lockett is moving on possibly either via trade or it's his contract year next year, you absolutely know for a fact he wants top 10 money, if not top five money, um, based on some advanced stats, he can make that argument. Um, do you take a look at, at, at replacing that sort of a player this year in a year where you're limited in the amount of draft picks that you have and uh, cap money to spend in free agency if they choose to, uh, to take care of this position in free agency? Um, or do you start to look at players like that, like a uh, Diami Brown, which is kind of a Tyler Lockett kind of player. He's got a little bit more size than Tyler, but he's got that 10, 7, 8, 10 meter uh, dash speed out of high school. So he's very dynamic. Um, Yards per catch average is way up there. He kind of stretches the field, but he also uh, looks like he could expound his uh, his route tree uh, at the next level just based on the fact he can get off the line of scrimmage pretty good and create quick separation. So he should be uh, able to to you know run some slants and some some goes and some curls, all that kind of stuff. Um, that would be an interesting player, and I think that he could play both in the slot and out wide too, just like Tyler Lockett could. So somebody like that interests me as well. Dwayne Eskridge kind of a uh, smaller version, uh, similar in size to Tyler Lockett. It gives you that burner speed. There was one other guy, hold on, I got to find him really quick because he had this um, this 100-meter dash. Oh, this guy, Anthony Schwartz. Mm-hmm. This is a guy that's interesting to me because not a tremendous amount of, of playing experience, but he does have playing experience, college football playing experience at wide receiver. He's not like Cyril Grayson out of LSU where he – was had zero actual football experience, but was it was a track star there. This guy's a track star. Ran a ten point oh seven. The guy I just mentioned before that ran a ten seven nine. This guy ran a ten oh nine. Fastest wide receiver in the class. But he's he needs some development. He needs a little bit of time. This is a guy that might be available in like the fifth round. Um, but just has exceptional athleticism and quickness and body control and stuff. And he's still learning the position. Um, but a guy like that, it, you know, speed in the NFL is, is everything. And if you guys have speed at that level, you know, he could learn to return the ball. He could learn to, to play some slot. He could extend the field for you on some, some flies. I don't know. Uh, you know, it's, it's a deep class. There's a lot of guys that you could talk about. Um, but that's, that's just one guy. There's a couple of guys in the draft class too, that kind of remind me of, um, Oh, what was our old wide receiver that we picked up from Michigan? Um, it's been around the league for, you know, 10, 11 years. Small guy, but but larger um, larger guy that could, could move. Golden Tate. There's a lot of guys here that remind me a little bit of Golden Tate um, as far as, um, and one of those guys is Amari Rogers, um, a guy that's got some returnability and, um, the guy that's only like five nine and a half or five ten, but he's two hundred and eleven mm-hmm. pounds. I don't. 
almost wonder if that that kind of a guy could be a running back for you. He's just got that. He he looks like a running back. He runs like a running running back on the field. Well, and that's um, but that he catches the ball, Tate, right? possession kind Gold, of a guy. Golden Tate was a yeah, running exactly. back who was learning to play wide exactly. receiver. Um, and and you know the Seahawks, you know, drafted him and, and and did some great things. And one of the things that they this is a team that, and you'd think it's weird with DK Metcalf and, and Tyler Lockett on the team, but they were one of the worst teams in the league in yards after catch. Even with those guys, um, yeah. and that is, and we just didn't scheme anybody. We didn't help anybody. Yeah, with that was scheme. entirely a scheme problem. That won't be the case in Waldron's off offense, where he will scheme guys open and and make some easy throws. And that's where a guy like Dwayne Eskridge could just really be absolutely mm-hmm. dynamic in your offense. I mean, that guy. I, I've heard rumors. You know, everyone's got him going from, you know, the third or fourth round entering the Senior Bowl to now after the Senior Bowl. Uh, above the third round, maybe getting into the second, or or somehow inching his way uh, all the way to the back of the of the first round, which I do not believe will happen. Out of Western Michigan, but he's yeah, he's also a 24 year old prospect, yeah. so that's going to be definitely be a consideration. That alone would push him down, I think, a, a couple rounds. But uh, he'd be a, a special teams guy that you could uh, have return kicks. He's got a four three three forty. He's a yards after catch mm-hmm. guy former state champion sprinter. Um, he's definitely going to be your developmental third wide receiver on your roster. Um, but you've got Swain there as well. So, and David Morse likely moving on. So, you know, I think they'll definitely address that particular position and whether it's in the draft or, or free agency, it depends on how much they value, how much input Shane Waldron has on uh, getting a, a guy, getting a weapon that, that he feels like he needs to have in that offense to really make it work. Um, and uh, and it might be a guy that, that's just got a ton of speed and really dynamic and, and a hedge against uh, Tyler. One Lock. of the things that's weird about this this year is you have guys who opted out because... That makes it And, and so you, you have guys that are available in this draft class and you don't know how teams are going to view them. Are they going to look back, not this, this year, a year before, you know, the, the 2019 season and, and look at that tape and, and, and evaluate them? Or are they going to, you know, is it going to hurt them that they didn't play for a year? And because, you know, most NF, or most uh, football players, you take a full year off, it's just never the same. And, uh, and so, you know, you kind of look at that and you go, what do we do with those guys? And and the one that's really interesting to me is Nico Collins out of Michigan. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, again, mm-hmm. I, I you can tell what I was looking at six four two fifteen. This is a guy with big catch radius, nice speed. Uh, if he had played this year, we might be talking, um, you know, a first round pick. Um, you know, someone who can be drafted in the twenties type yeah. of thing. But he didn't play, and so it's. Yeah, a lot of folks still have him going, you know, in the mid second yeah. round. And so, is he going to go in the fifties? Is he going to go in? It depends on how fast he runs. I mean, if he's got a pro day, Keith, and he runs in the four fours somewhere, this kid could go, um, you know, pretty pretty early in the second round. Um, you know, he's kind of a DK Medcalf kind of a mold six. Yeah, but he's not that fast. Um, he's not. I don't think so. I think he's a more of a four five five guy, which is probably going to put him into the maybe the third round, but just because of the lack of tape yeah. on him. And so you just look at a guy like that, and you know the the talent's there, and you know all that stuff. But he also didn't play last year, and he's not going to be a burner. 
even at, um, I mean, he is, he's, he's, he's fast, but he's not DK Metcalf. There's only one DK Metcalf. Um, so do you think the guy like that, that doesn't have the speed, doesn't have the separation ability is pegged in the NFL as more of a, um, either a possession guy or a red zone guy, similar to like a Parkinson that would be on our team. Um, just because he his route tree will be somewhat limited based on his speed. I don't know. I mean, David Moore wasn't fast, but he, they got him deep, and they got him deep. David Moore was actually faster than you think he was. He just didn't. Okay. I think David Moore ran a four four eight in well, his then, pro day, but, but he didn't. He didn't but play that. Fast. He didn't seem faster. He did <laughs> not. He was in quicksand um, half the time. But they still were able to get him deep because of his size, right? They knew that they could throw him open. Um, you know, Collins. Yeah, he could had good straight Collins lines. Collins is a guy that, you know, you, his tape from not this year, but the year before has a lot of, you know, back shoulder throws and, and acrobatic catches and, and, and those kind of things. And I just think he would fit in well at, in Seattle, in Waldron's thing. He blocks well. He, um, you know, can make those tough catches. He can move some chains. He can get deep, like, um, you know, if you, if you need him to. He's not, you know, a guy that's, not he's not a burner um you know like Metcalf well and he just didn't you know as well at Michigan and you know and it's it's true with a lot of quarterbacks um that from Michigan uh you're not helping your wide receivers get into the NFL (laughs) if you're going to play at Michigan (laughs) right so he didn't have a lot of help um he he had a quarterback that couldn't take advantage of his of his straight line speed and the ability Mm -hmm. um that he had in the red zone uh, and the mismatches that he would have on the, on the boundaries. And, um, you know, when you don't have a quarterback that can get you a ball out there, you're not going to have a lot of stats. And then you, you're right. The whole 2020 thing, uh, hurt him and a number of other players. Um, and so it'll be very interesting. I think that's why the undrafted market this year is going to be crazy. And, um, uh, you know, uh, Schneider has always been excellent at, at getting guys to, to pay attention to the Seahawks. So, um, you know, but this guy is definitely going to get drafted. I'm just saying that, you know, it'll push some guys out of, out of this draft that, that likely probably would have been drafted um, had there not been a pandemic. Yeah. So. And, and, and that's kind of the, the thing. I mean, it, it's just weird because he didn't play last year, right? He completely opted out of the year. And it's like, how is that going to work? Is that going to work for him? Is that going to work against him? Um, and mm-hmm. we just don't know. Like, if he played... And this wasn't a, this was a non-pandemic year, and it was normal. There's a really good chance he goes into this as a you know someone who's going to pick be picked twenty third in the draft because it's the pandemic year because he opted out. Does he? What happens if he goes if he's available in like in the the seventies or eighties? If you're Seattle and you're you've got that pick and you've you've traded down right, you get, got an extra pick now. You can take a chance. Yeah, you got guy. a couple extra picks, and you're, he's sitting there, and you go. There's so much talent. Would they pick? Would they pick him, or would they pick more of a sure, um, a sure guy that's going to give you pro ready, more more pro ready? Is Tyler Lockett um, still in the you roster. You know, a, a guy like Diami Brown. Yeah, let's just say the roster hasn't if, changed on the on the wide receiver Tyler group. Lockett's and still um, on the roster, you go for the higher upside guy that might need a year of development because you've got your two guys. You got the guys that are going to going to make and break your offense as far as far as the receiver position. And you also know that Lockett's a free agent after the year. And so you draft a guy that has the potential to be a, a game changer a year from now. Yeah. I, 
Yeah, I do. I, I, yeah. I also take a guy that has, could be a game changer this year as well as next year, you know? And so you take a look at a guy like Tylen Wallace, for example, out of Oklahoma, six foot, 195, right? He's not a, not a huge guy, but he's got four, three, three speed. You know, he's, he's going to be available at that 56 ish spot that Seattle's looking at, um, maybe slightly earlier, um, maybe a little later if they, if they drop back. Um, but this guy's a, a guy that can, um, in, in 2018, uh, he was, uh, led the big 12 with 1,491 yards, mm-hmm. which was good enough to rank second in the entire nation finalist for the Blitnikoff award. Um, in the, and then he tore his ACL and then he had a recovery year where he was down a little bit, but 2020, he was back. Um, and, and he, and he left school with 3,400 uh, yards, 26 touchdowns. He's physical. He's got powerful hands. He's a contested catch mismatch. Um, and, and, and high points the ball really well. This is a guy that could eventually take over for Tyler. If Tyler Lockett leaves in free agency and after the 2021 season, you've already got a year under your belt in the offense and you're ready to take over um, on day one in, in 2022. So a guy like that would definitely be on Seattle's radar. I think just from the point of uh, this guy, when he's on the field in open space um, and, and his willingness to block would be a ideal fit in Shane Waldron's scheme. Yeah, I can see it. Um, I'm always a little leery of air raid wide receivers. I think so much of what they so much of their uh, accomplishments mm-hmm. in college are. Uh, well, they certainly didn't have to work as hard on route yeah. running. So when they come into the NFL, they do need to be able to, to, to tighten that up and crisp that up a little bit more, mm-hmm. but you know, Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf are awesome teachers, you know, and you just can't teach speed. The yeah, guy's got four, three, three speed. speed. So. Um, and you know, with the Seahawks, they brought in Dorsett last year. They may bring Dorsett back on a one year deal. Yeah. With like, right. you know, for right. like a million bucks, you know, league minimum kind of deal. Um, to, uh, you know, that's a lot of speed and they love speed, right? I mean, they, they drafted uh, Lockett, they drafted Richardson, they drafted Metcalf, they signed um, Dorsett. This is a team that loves speed, not right receiver. Yeah, well, I, right. And I think that, you know, Seattle's going to gonna get a receiver in this draft. I just mm-hmm. feel it. I just think that they will. It's either going to be a Dwayne Eskridge kind of a guy or a Seth Williams, if they want the possession guy, or it's going to be a WAP Philor, uh, the slot receiver with the yards after catchability. Yes, um, but his name you know, is, his in, name is WAP. In, in Indiana. Right. <laughs> I know it's awesome. You know why it's his nickname. He, uh, he liked uh, Burger King Whoppers, uh, when he was a kid. So he got Oh, nice. Name. I did that. I but didn't a, know. That's it, actually kind of awesome. Now, yeah. now I like the name more. Yeah, I know it is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, he's, he's the King. Um, and you know, he's a kind of a fifth, uh, fourth, fifth round guy. There's a lot of guys in that fourth, fifth round and Seattle has yeah. picks there. And I think that that makes a lot of sense to be able to, to get a guy that can have an impact on your roster with that fourth or fifth round pick. you kind of want to stretch your value there. And I think uh, Seattle's an opportunity to do that. Another guy is Daz Newsom slot receiver again with yards after a catch abilities, five eleven, one nineties, not small. Um, and, and uh, in college, he gave you 126 catches for 1,702 yards, 16 touchdowns the last two seasons. Um, and he's a good route runner with excellent quickness and hands and ball skills. And he's a great competitor. And I think 
he would be an excellent fit. So there's going to be some value here in, out of this class. Sage Sherratt, another guy, a big slot guy with ball possession skills, kind of a David Moore replacement kind of guy. We talked about Anthony Schwartz already as having a world-class speed. Um, Marlon Davis, again, a six-foot guy, but he's 222 pounds. Is, could he be a running back, you know? Big slot receiver um, with terrific hands and ball skills and all that kind of stuff. She Smith uh, was the best player on the field for many games at South Carolina at 5'10", 186. In fact, when he uh, went out with an injury later in the year, the team kind of fell apart on offense without him out there. And uh, at the Senior Bowl, uh, he was hard to cover. And so a guy like that has a lot of ball skills and body control um, and the ability to get up even at 5'10 and win um, contested catches and high point the ball is is a really good trait. There's There's some others. But, you know, that that's the gist. I really like Amari Rogers for some reason. I'm drawn to Amari Rogers in this class because um, I think he's undervalued. A lot of folks don't have him, you know, in, in the top four rounds. A lot of guys are putting him in the fifth, sixth round, and I don't quite get it. He's he's almost 5'10". He's 211 pounds. He ran a 4.4940 and a 38-inch uh, vertical jump at a Nike Pro Day when he was younger. And, um, you know, he's 77 receptions for a thousand yards in 2020. He's a slot receiver, but he's built like a running back. You know, he, he, that's one, this is one of the guys that reminds me of golden Tate. Um, they, they schemed him open. Uh, they allowed him to get into space. He's got great vision and burst, um, and, and really decisive in the way that he runs his routes. And he's a good leader. He's a guy that, that, that Seattle would look at as being uh, a character guy that you could bring onto the roster as well. So um, he, he was be definitely on their radar as far as I can tell. Um, just looking at the draft over the last 10 years, guys like that are really um, important to Seattle to have on the roster. And he would be a special teams guy too. So, so that's all, that's all I've got. I say, on one of the list. guys that I find really interesting, but I don't know. I don't know if I would take him if I was a GM is uh, Jalen Darden uh, out of North Texas, 5'9", 170. Mm -hmm. I mean, he this is a guy mm -hmm. that is going to make uh, Paul Richardson, you know, look um, <laughs> well-built. Um, right. But, man. Yeah, but, I mean, I've got him rated in the, in the you know, top of the fourth a round. dynamic athlete, just, you know, I mean, he his ability to stop and then restart um, it is going to kill cornerbacks and safeties. They're they're going to hate him. Uh, and he's just got electric downfield speed. I mean, just an elite runner. Um, his ability to s just stop on a dime and make people miss. And and immediately he would upgrade your return game because he was their primary yeah, returner. Yeah, and and there at um, North and, Texas. and and just a you know crazy phenomenal athlete. But at five nine one seventy, you know, you're going to be worried that he's never going to be healthy. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting to me because I think he would do better uh, outside. So when you take a look at like um, Waldron's scheme, and I want to talk to you about this, and eventually we will talk mm -hmm. about this um, later on in, in the year after the draft and stuff, is Shane Waldron's uh, scheme. And you know how they run a lot of bunch and tight formations um, where they've got, you know, 10, 10 guys lined up really close together and one guy out wide. But a guy like uh, Jalen Darden seems to me like he would be more into a um, like a wide 
uh, a wide zone. Uh, what am I trying to say? A spread, yep. spread offense. And uh, where everything's kind of stretched horizontally, I wonder if Seattle can do that in within a Waldron scheme because they run a wide zone. Um, so they do, they're, they are trying to stretch the field uh, horizontally. And so a guy like that may find a role in there. The other guy I was thinking about too is the, the, the UCLA uh, running back who they're thinking about converting to a wide receiver, uh, uh, Demetric mm-hmm. Felton. Um, he looked absolutely dynamic in senior bowl practices. I don't know if you had a chance to watch uh, some of the senior bowl practice film. Yeah, this guy was was beating everybody, even, including the top corners uh, in the senior draft class. And um, he he started out as a running back. They shifted him to uh, into the slot on a lot of different plays at UCLA and project him as a slot guy in the NFL, along with return abilities. But he's only uh, 5'9", 189, but he's just electric with the ball, and, and his route running was stellar uh, in practice, and that might be another guy that they have um, kind of earmarked as, as kind of a bottom of the roster, fifth wide receiver, come in and do um, a lot of multi-wide receiver sets, which I think will happen in this offense uh, when they take a tight end out, um, three and four wide receivers, and a guy like that uh, that can stretch the field or get him open in space. When you're doing four wide receiver routes, you can create a lot of mismatches and, and opportunities to create um, separation. And a guy like that would thrive, I think, in, a, in an offense like this. Yeah. Uh, and, I mean, it really comes down to, like, what what do what does this team feel like it needs at right, right now in order to run, the, in order exactly to run this right, offense? Keith. Because, you know, you're going to put um, – Metcalf out there in what was the Robert Woods role and in, in with the Rams. And I feel like they, they're, they need to go find themselves that big slot. Um, you know, the Cooper cup, um, type, but maybe they, they like, you know, Freddie Swain in that role. I mean, he definitely showed some mm-hmm. flashes and promise, uh, this last year. And so they go, okay, well, we, we kind of got that. Um, you'll find a spot for, for Lockett. And then yeah. it's like, well, maybe they don't feel like they need a, guy that's going to get a lot of playing time now so they want to get someone that they feel can make an impact as a returner yeah. and special and teams if they, and that if, kind of stuff if they can bring back uh dorsett on a on a veteran minimum mm-hmm. um deal they may feel like they've solved that spot and they can look elsewhere on the roster to to make sure that they're completely covered um and then of course bring in a little bit of competition um i know. hope i, I and, do hope uh, they make it out of this draft with a player and not do the 2018 thing where you had a super deep wide receiver yeah, draft right. and they, and they got to take advantage when these yeah, things they happen. Take one. Yeah. So yeah, you're maximizing your value. I think if you get a guy here in the, in the fourth or fifth round, um, you know, I don't know that they go out and spend a big uh, pick early on wide receiver in this, in this draft. I think, you know, hopefully I, they would turn their attention into the trenches on, on, on the first pick or, you know, if, uh, uh, Javante Williams is sitting there or something, you know, crazy. You, you jump on something like that or Nanji Harris or they get extra draft capital. Um, so interesting. Yeah. I think the wide receiver class is, is, uh, is really solid. I mean, really solid top to bottom and Seattle should try to come away with a pick, especially if they pick up two or three extra picks. I think you will see them spending, um, some draft capital there. And then the tight end thing, you know, it's been proven that they're looking for guys right now. Um, to come in um, and and take advantage of the guys that have been cut, uh, so they don't 
they're not competing, you know, with everybody, just, uh, just where the player really wants to, wants to play. And so that will be, um, that will be interesting to see if anything happens before free agency, likely knowing Seattle, they will be exceedingly patient, hopefully in this free agency period, because it's going to be crazy. Like they don't have enough money to spend at the top. So they're gonna have to wait a little bit. And, and the longer that they wait, I think the, the better value and the more opportunity they'll have to kind of fill out the roster with really good quality players and, and, and we'll be there again, especially if Russell Wilson comes back, um, likely spend a little bit of money, hopefully on that center position, um, and, and or left guard. And, um, I think they're, they're, you know, they're, they're close. They've just got a few pieces, um, to, to add, take care of the running back spot. Uh, the the offensive line and a couple spots on defense with defensive backs and uh, a pass rusher and you know I think things are going to be better than people think but you know that the the, um, the schedule next year doesn't do any any favors to us I think it's going to be a little tougher this next year to get to twelve wins but you know we got to do well, what we got to do I mean if we if we want to retain Russell Wilson long term we got to figure out a way to get to that. Um, conference well, any, championship anytime I you have a year you when know. you don't play uh the nfc and afc east you're going to have a tougher year than the years when you do because those divisions mm. are are they're, they're pretty bad um and that's who the seattle played last year so the the schedule had a lot to do with i think with them getting to 12 um instead of 10 or 11 which is more where the talent was um but yeah, I mean, this team isn't that far. They really aren't. And I know that, the, you know, they, they, they've been in salary cap, you know, kind of sense. But a lot of that went away with, when they cut um, Dunlap because they just saved $14.5 million. And now they've got $18.5, which is more than enough to pay the... Um, and that's not... That's just that's, the first move. It, it, Let's be it's honest. Just the you first, know, but, there'll be, there'll but be a now few they've more. Got, now they've got wiggle room. They can go and they can, they can be players... Uh, in free agency, they don't not gonna go get you know the the top flight guy. They're not gonna go sign anyone to some massive contract. But they could get the they could get the All Pro center there from Green Bay. Lind, Lind, True, if they know. wanted. And everybody's talking about that, which probably means it won't happen. Yeah. But nonetheless, if you're really serious about keeping Russell Wilson, keeping him happy, you're gonna at least attempt to uh, to get the best players and and have a roster on opening day that, that talent wise on paper is competitive with anybody mm-hmm. and gives you uh, the best chance out of the gate. And, and that's all you can ask for. And I think that's all Russell Wilson is asking for is like, let's get me the best roster heading into the season that we can put together and give me a shot at this thing. And, um, yeah, I, if Pete is wise and he is a wise person. Um, he's been around football a lot. He's proven he's adaptable. I don't know why he's not adaptable to this particular situation, but maybe this is the year. Maybe this is, okay, wake up call, uh, you know, and I'm going to do whatever I need to do to make sure my franchise guy is taken care of. And if that means I need to adjust and adapt my offense a little bit um, while trying to keep as as much of the ball integrity and the efficiency that that I need to have to to be comfortable, then I'm going to do that. And, and, there seems to be an opening to have some sort of happy medium and, and middle um, place where they can meet and both sides would be happy. I mean, Pete came out and said, I want to improve the running game. I want to improve the offensive line. And those are the areas that Russell Wilson could benefit 
uh, as well. And we already know they're going to add, uh, they're looking at tight end. Um, they brought in a, a scheme guy in, in Waldron that is directly, at least we think, going to enhance Russell Wilson's skill set. So to me, I don't know that I would, I would want to leave that situation. It seems like a pretty decent situation to me. It's always seems like it's greener on the other side, but your own situation is manageable as long as you approach it in a way that is respectful. And But that's a, that's the thing you know, it's approaching it in a way that's respectful. And I feel like. And both sides. Are yeah. Together. It does feel like um, just from everything that we found out in that uh, athletic article that um, the coaching side of it was not overly respectful of Wilson when it came time. Which is a little odd because you've always heard that, that the Pete Carroll Russell Wilson relationship dynamic has always been really tight and really positive and, and solid. And they might have a, a, a little bit of philosophical difference as far as, you know, scheme and so, and so forth. But nonetheless, um, if you really take a look at Pete's scheme, it hasn't limited Russell Wilson's ability to garner national attention, to lead the league in touchdowns, to lead the league in uh, quarterback rating and, uh, efficiency and completion percentage and all that stuff. The only thing he's going to lag behind a little bit is, um, is attempts and completions. And, you know, maybe that's, you know, everything is, is hung on that. And I think that's just really the wrong way to look at it. A, you're getting, you're, you're maximizing your efficiency. That's obviously getting you pro bowls and national attention and putting you in the hall of fame conversation and getting you into, into the playoffs every year. And, um, I'm just wondering what, what that next level looks like to, to somebody like Russ. I mean, uh, winning is, is really important and, and we're, you know, I don't know. Well, and I think that's what it, I don't think it has anything to do with stats. I think it has to do with winning. He wants to get to the conference championship to get himself a chance to get. I think to winning is a, is a thing. And I, I, uh, just based on, on what's been said and what's come out, I think he doesn't feel that, coaching staff last year in terms of the offensive game plan and, and scheme design um, was putting the team in a, the best position to win. Um, we won eight games in the first, we won six games in the first eight. And after things started to kind of get more difficult and fall apart, we won six games in the last true. eight. Um, but a lot of, and they played some really bad quarterbacks in that second group of eight. Um, and so, well, and and we we were easily predicted to to be one and out yeah. in the playoffs. And, and, and so I, I think it was one of those things where he felt that 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 wasn't being done in a way that was giving them the best chance to win, and that having the offense be really inefficient or at least inconsistent, um, because the offensive line was so bad, um, wasn't giving them the best chance to win. And I think it was more of a if we're gonna win. Like, let's, let's not win because we, you know, play slightly less ugly football than the other team. Let's win because we're actually, we're actually good at something. We're taking it to them. We're dictating terms. And and I think that's why he wanted, you know, he wants the offensive line to be fixed and, and, and those kind of things. And he wants a scheme that's going to help them be consistent and, you know, put up, not just put up points on big plays, but actually move the football and hold on to the ball and have long yeah. drives. Convert third yeah, down. And, yeah. and do the thing, 
And Pete said that too. See, that's another thing. It's like everything that Pete has said kind of lines up with what Russ wants. I mean, if you really look at it, Pete says, I want more efficiency. I want to convert more third downs. We were at, you know, 49 or 47% in 2020. I want to be closer to, to 55 to 57%, which is slightly above league average. Um, you know, all those things seem to, to align with Ru- what Russ is really talking about when you break it all down, yet there's this big disconnect. So I'm not, I'm not sure. Hopefully they can figure that out. Uh, otherwise, we're going to lose our guy. And he obviously has given our franchise the best chance to win uh, in the last 40-plus years. Yeah. And um, to move on from that so abruptly is is hard to fathom, and it's hard to kind of wrap your brain around it because it's also right in the middle of all this other stuff. We're trying to plan the offseason. You've got free agency starting next week. We're talking about trades. It can completely disrupt what we're talking about in the draft. And uh, it just all seems kind of uh, a little jumbled. So I think we we just need to kind of hang out for a little a little longer, and and some of the stuff resolves itself. But it seems like one day we're going to wake up and we're going to click on Twitter, Keith, and Schefter's going to have some announcement, and it's going to be utter chaos. And I I'm dreading Ru- that Ru- moment, Russell but. Wilson to the Bears for. Um... For a load, four, for, but, four yeah, first round picks and um <laughs> and Khalil or Mack. probably not Mac yeah. probably that oh, I can't remember his name but the the linebacker um oh, okay. and that they've got that's yeah and so yeah they've got a, they've got three or four players I wouldn't mind having but uh, I don't even want to have those conversations yet <laughs> oh I, agreed um so. but you know I, I just have a I, it does feel like one day we're gonna like, gonna pop up Twitter and that's what's gonna be and it's just gonna be like oh god no, um, yeah, because it changes and everything. absolutely changes everything and not yeah even with the with the boatload of picks and a couple of premier guys added to your roster and and some you know cap maneuvering and all that stuff and they and they you know pledge to put together a competitive team in 2021. Uh, Russell Wilson, as you know, has given us a floor of nine wins since he's been on the mm-hmm. roster, and that floor immediately drops with any other quarterback, you know, that's not Watson. You know, if they could or- orchestrate some three-way deal where Russell moves, Watson gets here, plus a, a couple picks, and, you know, we end up in, in, in equal or better shape long-term just because Watson's perfectly capable and he's uh, – he's younger um, than, than I think that would be okay for me. I could kind of live with that and we could figure that out. Anything short of that, like if we get foals back <laughs> to, as a one year bridge or whatever, I mean, our, our season is over before it even begins. So we need to kind of, we need to bridge that gap when it comes. Yeah, I guess I the only thing that would happen is, you know, is unless they ended up with uh, an early first round pick, like something with the dolphins or whatnot, so you end up, High, yeah, or the Jets, yeah. High enough to go get a Zach Wilson. Um, and then yeah. they can just put Zach Wilson Wilson in number three and no one has to buy a new New Jersey. Uh, there you go. <laughs> um, and, and so that's the that's the kind of, uh, I don't know. It, it would be. Yeah, a, well, then you're starting you are, over. You're, I mean, you're, really, you're, you're, you're literally pushing the reset yeah. button and you're going to, your, your clock starts over and. You know, is Russ, is uh, Pete Carroll up for that challenge? He probably is, but nonetheless, it's a it's a it's a full reset because you're jettisoning 
jettisoning, jettisoning everything you know, and you're going with the new thing, a new shiny object in the draft, which has no guarantees of any success whatsoever. And, um, you're, you're trying to build around him and, and help him. And, uh, there's going to be a, a couple of years of adjustment there. So, uh, what, what are you going to do? I mean, if, if you have a quarterback that doesn't want to play for your franchise, you have to do something. You can't have that in your locker room and on your team for a full year uh, in a season. It'll ruin your, your team. It'll, this situation could ruin the team anyway because uh, if Russell Wilson is very well liked and, and respected in the locker room and the team is, is, has not treated him correctly and then ships him away and then brings in some other guy, that changes the entire dynamic and you have other players then that are disgruntled that want to leave that, you know, don't want to play again. Maybe even like a guy like Medcalf, who's literally like a brother, you know, at this point to, to Wilson. So uh, a lot of things could, could be affected that we just can't even predict at this point. Um, so you just got to be careful with, with what you wish for, you know, it's uh, it's a tough deal. I, I, I think that this, you know, all of this chatter, every, every word that we've said, um, hopefully just doesn't mean anything. And eventually these guys come together. That seems to me the most likely outcome is to have Russell Wilson continue to play out his contract, have him satisfied that the team is addressing these concerns. We all move forward. Everybody's happy. And we come out and have a great year. And that's the, uh, that's the, the, the best case scenario. And we don't even want to go to the worst case scenario, but, um, to me, that's the most likely. Agreed. Outcome. All right. So, uh, next week, um, Next week's my favorite, my we, favorite, my oh, favorite uh, show that. of the year. I don't even have offensive line in the subject line. It's just, uh, it, it's Keith Myers show. <laughs> yeah, it's the show it that I like and literally nobody else ever cares about. I've come to like it. I've had, I've, I've dealt with this now for, <laughs> for our, a while. Our fifth and, one of uh, these. You're, you're swinging me around <laughs> to the, to the, to the dark side yeah, Keith, I, on this. Actually, there's some really good upside players in this in this draft class we're going to look at centers guards yep. tackles and um, the guys that get it done in the trenches i think that's the key area where seattle said it wanted to upgrade this year um there's some players that can that can help us do that in this yes, draft and there's some players um, that, they that they can help this team be significantly better on the offensive yes. line that don't require first round picks to get and and that I is i like this draft class in terms of the other uh, I'm and so yeah. I'm I'm excited for next week's show. It falls off a little bit after like the fifth round, fourth, it fifth round. Does, but but. The, but between where we've got picks in the second to to fourth or fifth, there's there's many many guys that can that can come in and, and help. Especially now that that you can you have uh, some options at both center and guard because Shane Waldron, you don't know exactly yet if he's going to be on the more athletic side with smaller um, smaller guys that can move quicker or guys that can, that can still set up, um, set the tone, physical guys, guys that can ram it down your, down your throat and get to the second level still. Um, so there's a lot of options in the draft that can, that can do both. So, um, all right, find Keith on Twitter at Myers NFL. I'm at NWC Hawk. The show is at Hawks playbook on Twitter. Seahawksplaybook.com has all of the shows archived and your favorite podcast app. Uh, you can just search Seahawks Playbook Podcast. It'll bring that up and on YouTube. And uh, we need more subscribers on there. So that would be awesome if you can go to YouTube, get to our show, and hit the subscribe button. That way it lands every week in, uh, in your feed. 
So until next time, Keith. Go Hawks. Go Hawks. Seahawks Playbook Podcast listeners, thanks for joining us for another edition of the show. You can find us on Twitter. Bill is at NWSeahawk. Keith is at Myers NFL. And the show is at Hawks Playbook. You can listen and subscribe to the show at SeahawksPlaybook.com.